Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that tinkers under the hood of the paranormal and takes an agnostic view on what's going on. Yes, indeed, we are. And, um, well, today, if you've got the time, Ben, and there's a hint, I'd quite like to talk about time travel. Lovely. Because it is a topic, it's funny how a lot of these topics we've talked in the past almost span back to childhood. I got obsessed uh, with time travel when I, as a kid, I first saw the H.G. Wells, well, it was a movie version of The Time Machine, not the one with Guy Pearce, I'm not that young, I wish I was, but a better one. Um, Not the greatest movie in the world, but I remember as a kid just being in awe of the concept, and, you know, after that I read the book, and it's an amazing book, If, if anyone's not read it, they should definitely give it a twirl especially if you're into sci-fi but there was you know as a child I just remember sitting there kind of open-mouthed watching this thing and the concepts around it and I guess I've been obsessed with it in movies and fiction ever since right the way through you know Terminator 12 Monkeys or there are so many great time travel movies Um, and I guess the reason that they're so popular is there's a lot to play around with right Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, like in Back to the Future, you go back and meet your parents and change the course of your own life or whatever. And there's all those paradoxes, like in Terminator, that the guy who's sent back to make sure the leader of the free, you know, the opposition to the uh to the machines is born ends up becoming his father and yeah there's all that stuff that you can play around with so you can see why in fiction it's such an interesting subject i think where i struggle is there are a lot of stories that uh, claim to be about real life time travelers generally going back in time not necessarily forward and i don't know there's some inherent problems with the concept of time travel outside of fiction and in the real world and I guess you see it in movies where they have to write little conventions in like you mustn't tell anyone you're a time traveler and it will cause problems in the you know matrix of the world if you meet yourself and all that kind of stuff Um, but I think we've talked in the past about crop circles and aliens and stuff like that is what if they want to communicate with us why don't they just land in Times Square and have a shout so the most appropriate square to land in yeah exactly so you know unless there's some incredibly amazing time traveler code that everybody pretty much sticks to i can't see how this things happen right no well stephen hawking set up the time traveler party didn't he yeah yeah um but if if it doesn't if it doesn't exist then that's fine. I can come to terms with that. But I wish it did. Yeah. <clears throat> what about, I mean, some people say that UFOs might be us for the future. Yeah, that's true. There's all that. There was. I think when we did the episode on crop circles, I think our guests that time seemed saying, were people trying to send a message to us from yep. the future? But, and it's funny because I was thinking about it when I really wanted to cover this topic on the podcast, that actually time in itself is, from a scientific point of view, is such a bizarre concept anyway. Then we have a kind of pre-concept, 
uh, conception about what time is, mainly dominated by the fact of the Earth going around the sun and the day-to-night thing and clocks. And we're obsessed with time in in an almost kind of linear, defined fashion. But, you know, if anyone who reads any science on... The, how time works or doesn't work um, it's amazing that that's such a narrow view of, of of the concept basically yeah yeah well our entire lives are just um arranged around the artificial construct of 24 hours which is just time here on earth and it just dictates when you get up or what time a bus is coming what time my dog insists it's his time for his dinner um but that isn't it's not so much time is it i mean it we call it time but it's a very narrow concept of time when you come off this planet it gets pretty strange yeah well even on this planet to be honest it gets strange cuz when you're always looking around at facts I, I, and i didn't know this but the reason clocks show the same time across the country and it's interesting you mentioned buses um, it was done to make train, ta- train timetables easier to manage and people to catch trains. So until the 19th century, towns would set their own clocks by the local noon, effectively the, the midday sun. So, for instance, a clock set in Bristol in the UK was 11 minutes behind a clock set in London in the UK. And that's right up until the 19th century. So, mm. you know... All around the country, there was different time zones. I guess people in the states doesn't. You're probably going, yeah, but you've got to remember it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to remember England's quite a small country to have these minimal differences in time zones. Yeah. Um, the other one is funny. You said about the days in the year as well, because I don't know if you realise, but when the dinosaurs back in the dinosaur age, uh, years were actually three hundred and seventy days long. They weren't three, six, four, or depending on on leap years, and that's because the Earth spin is getting slower because the Moon gravity is acting as a drag. So days are getting longer by about one point seven milliseconds per century. So over time, interesting use of words. Over time, days are getting longer. The way that time was experienced in the past was different to now. Uh, you know, and it reminds. There's the classic thing, isn't there? The Einstein thing of you know, if you set off at the speed of light or near the speed of light for a couple of years and came back, I'd be 17 years older, but you'd be two years older. So, yes. you know, how we look at time in that sense is, uh, is, is quite bizarre. And there's two other things before we get into the body of the episode which blew my mind. There's a theory that time might be grinding to a halt, Uh, Distant galaxies appear to be moving faster than nearby ones, suggesting that the universe is accelerating as it expands. This is a kind of well-torn theory that a lot of people talk about. Uh, It's the usual theory that explains the mysterious forces in the universe known as dark energy. But there's a Spanish physicist who's proposed an alternative possibility, um, that the further away older galaxies only seem to be moving faster because in the past time was faster so i guess it ties in a little bit like the dinosaurs that we were saying 375 370 days in a year rather than 365 so rather than the universe expanding and contracting his kind of theory is it's all 
behaving in the same way. It's just we're viewing it in a different way because it, it's travelled to us and the, the way that time works. So if he's right about this theory in a few billion years, actually everything will freeze. So we will all become a still photograph rather than a moving image, which is quite a mind-blowing thing to think about. It is. When you say that, uh, I recall um, it was a Stephen Hawking program because, of course, it was about what happens um, when you go into a black hole and uh, time freezes at uh, a certain part of the entrance of the black hole. So as if you were able to get close to a black hole, you first of all, you spaghettify... Um, right. as as it uh, the pull of all your atoms uh, sort of turns you into a you know a, a many a, a thousand yeah yeah a many thousand long atomic uh, line but as you get into the uh, entrance of the black hole the uh, the black hole is is sucking light in and because light is time there's a certain part where light becomes uh, as, I, as I understand it, I'm no physicist, but because the light is not uh, able to escape, but is also stuck in the pull of the black hole, it would appear that as my molecules are dragged into the black hole, if you looked at it from a certain position, they would be stuck there forever because right. the light is almost, you know, is stationary. But you become you a screenshot. Pardon? You become a screenshot. You become a screenshot. But of course you can't see it because the light isn't able to escape. But right. those those bits of light wavelength are stuck forever in that edge of the, um, it, uh, the, of the black, black hole. hole. Mm. Well, you know, and it, it... So, and the other thing I think which is amazing, you know, this is an episode on time travel and whether time travel is possible. But actually from a scientific point of view... We're all time travellers. We've all experienced time travel. Anybody who's been up a tall building will have experienced some level of time differently to the people who are at the bottom of that small building because of the effects of gravity and speed, and or on a plane, for instance. Mm. Um, or even simpler than that, your, your feet experience time differently to your face. Mm. So, so actually, within your own body, you are actually a time traveller. If you, you know, it's a weird concept to get your head around, but you know, so which in a way, all this proves that when we think about time, it is not the kind of blinkered approach that we all kind of think about it as a daily uh, occurrence. And that made me think, oh, maybe maybe time travel is possible. Now, most, I think most scientists would say, you know, in, in the kind of Einstein theory of relativity way, that time travel into the future could be possible. I think where most scientists would say you're stretching is that you could actually go back in time and relive moments or, you know, change history or, you know, all those grandiose concepts that you get in sci-fi. Because I think most sci-fi, I know H.G. Wells' time machine isn't, but most sci-fi tends to be about going back in time because you can have fun and play around and you have a kind of almost a base story to move with. But it all got me thinking that 
time is so weird and the science around time is very weird that well maybe it is possible that time travel exists so I think I started thinking about this over the last couple of months because weirdly because of coronavirus and I don't know if you remember at the start of the coronavirus crisis um, there was a story about the fact that Tom Hanks was probably one of the first celebrities I think to actually contract coronavirus. Mm. And then there's, there's been various stories over the years, the theory that the writers or the creators of The Simpsons are actually time travellers, mainly because of the amount of predictions over the years that they have put within the episodes of their, their show. Um, and it, again, it came to prevalence again with Tom Hanks, because I, I believe it's at the end of the Simpsons movie, Tom Hanks makes a kind of guest appearance and says he's going to be placing himself into quarantine. So again, the headline started at the start of the coronavirus again, that, oh, Simpsons, time travellers, they predicted that mm. Tom Hanks was going to get coronavirus. And then the one that everybody did was uh, in a 1993 episode of The Simpsons, they predicted a kind of coronavirus-style outbreak uh, around, and they called it Osaka flu. It's this flu that came from Japan and started, you know, affecting and wiping out everyone in Springfield. So, you know, these two things together were like, it, there you go, it's proof that the Simpsons could predict the future and must be time travellers. Um if I run through them, maybe we can come back. I'll run through the list of ones which people generally use to explain that they are time travellers from the future who can predicted everything that's going to happen because they have advanced knowledge. And then maybe we can look at them individually, if that makes sense. That sounds great. Yeah, so, uh, so another one from 1993 is, uh, I'm sure you remember those famous Vegas magicians, Siegfried and Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they always had their stage show with lots of, you know, Siberian white tigers and stuff. Wonder whether they got them from the Tiger King, but that's another probably <laughs> that's another tangent. Um, so in 1993, there was an episode where uh, they were mauled by their tiger during a show, and obviously that came true in 2003 that one of them was killed when they were mauled by one of their tigers that they use in the show. Another prediction that says that they're time travellers. Slightly weirder one, in 2010 episode, uh, the character Milhouse predicted that Bench R. Holmstrong would win the Nobel Prize for Economics. Six years later, he did win the Nobel Prize for Economics. There was an episode in 1998 where Homer writes the equation that's very similar to the Higgs boson equation. Um... And that wasn't discovered or published, at least, until 2012. So they wrote an equation that was very similar in 1998, and then it was published, the real one, the Higgs boson equation, in 2012. Um, So there are numerous episodes that kind of do stuff. Uh, But I guess the most famous one um, is that they predicted Donald Trump was going to be the president of the United States. And 
I don't know. I mean, The Simpsons recently have... the One of the writers has kind of hit out because online there was lots of uh, memes that were kind of tied into this idea that they were time travellers and especially around the uh, episode with the Osaka flu, the coronavirus epidemic. And they hit out because I think a lot of people were creating effectively racist memes uh, that were out there in the internet. So, you know, I think they they officially said, we are not time travellers and I wish people would stop doing this. But it, it gets you thinking. So you've got Tom Hanks... You've got the the pandemic. You've got Siegfried and Roy. You've got the two weirder ones, which is Milhouse predicting the winner of the Nobel Prize for economics six years before the guy won it. Uh, and then you've got the Higgs boson equation, which is quite weird. But it, it, if we look at this, my, my theory is... I mean, I don't know how many episodes of The Simpsons there's been. I don't know how many... We're probably on season what? Kind of thirty or forty or it's a it's a lot, and you know you got what twenty episodes a season. So, and if you're a satirist, thirty-one your, seasons, thirty-one seasons with probably an average of twenty-two episodes yeah. per season. If you're a satirist and you know you're writing in that uh, environment, part of your job is almost to kind of predict ridiculous things that might happen, such as. Trump becoming president or whatever it is. So, yeah. you know, we're not going back and analysing all the ones that they did that didn't come true. We just pick on the ones that we do. Like a gambler, we remember our winnings, not our losses. Um, so I get that with the kind of coronavirus flu epidemic. You probably had pandemics that were going on before then that they were kind of, you know, parodying or whatever. Uh, Siegfried and Roy, well, you've got two... Vegas entertainers who do a show with tigers in. What are the chances one of them might get mauled by a tiger? It's not the greatest leap, right? No. Um, I guess the weirder ones are the the prediction of the Nobel Prize winner for economics um, six years before it happened and the Higgs boson particle equation. But I... I I don't know if you're aware, but a lot of the writers for The Simpsons are ex-mathematicians, right? Yeah. And I've got quite a geeky, (laughs) what's the word, Uh, obsession with economics, with maths, with equations, with stuff like that. So I don't know, it's not not the biggest leap to think that they may have actually been in contact with, A, the guy who won the Nobel Prize and was looking at his work or, you know, when it comes to the Higgs boson equation, talking to the guy who was working on it. You know, it's not the biggest leap, right? No, no, exactly. So I don't know if you see anything weird in there. Is there anything that you thought, well, could you buy that the Simpsons are time travellers or just, <clears throat> it just seems no, very unlikely? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, with uh, I just checked, with nearly 700 episodes, you're bound to predict something that comes comes real it's fun to mess around with and it's great for uh you know sort of pub talk but no there's there's no time travel there no i mean i guess the one that in recent years they've had so much publicity around 
is the prediction of Donald Trump becoming the US president. Um, and I think in the episode, they even went as far as to have him coming down Trump Tower on the escalator announcing his campaign, which, again, he did in the future when he actually, for real, when he announced his candidacy for president or that he got the nomination. So, you know, but it, again, I don't think that's the biggest leap. No. Unless, unless... Go on. No, I was going to say, like, so uh, this wasn't the first time Trump stood for president. Yeah. Um, I think that episode where he does become president is um, from 2000. Yeah. Trump was already exploring presidential bids at that time. And, of course, he's going to appear on it with his campaign in a building that he owns and is named after him so it's it's not really a huge a huge leap and as satirists would do at the time you'd pick the most ridiculous thing that could happen which 20 years ago was definitely trump winning an election for president yeah and you know i just it it, I, i think it's just that you know it is just a coincidence but the weird coincidence, the weird bit about the coincidence of the Simpsons predicting Trump becoming president of the United States is uh, there is also a theory that Donald Trump is a time traveller. And, mm. and this story, I mean, the story's been doing the rounds for a while and it was one of those stories that a few years ago I came across. I, I think I came across it... Uh, I was either on a Reddit group or it could have even been a YouTube video where I saw the title, Donald Trump Time Traveller. Um, and I just thought to myself, I'm not even going to read that. I'm not even going to look at it because I know what it's going to be. It's just going to be some ridiculous thing. Uh, and then a few months later, I was working on a another project and I had to read it. I was kind of, it was part of this project that I was like, oh yeah, well, it's, you know, fake news stories that go around the internet. And actually, I I mean, we're both familiar with this story as many of our audience probably are, but it's an incredible tale when you actually dig into it. So it kind of starts uh, with a writer called Ingersoll Lockwood, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Who was writing prolifically uh, in the 19th century and into the early 20th century. So he wrote uh, a book where he, I think, I think this series of books actually, but the one that kind of everyone talks about is a book called Baron, Baron Trump's Marvelous Underground Journey. So this book was written in 1893. So first thing that comes to your mind there is the main character in this book is called Baron Trump. Donald Trump has a son called Baron Trump. Slightly different spelling. There's one R rather than two. Um, so, okay, well, there's this book written in 1893 that kind of shares the name of Trump's son. Okay, but then you dig into the book. So, uh, yeah, so the main character, Baron Trump, travels to Russia and... Uh, makes alliances with the Russians and gets advice from someone called... Can you remember, Ben? Big Don. Big Don. 
Don, who I believe is described in the book as the master of masters. Right? That, that's exactly it. Yeah, master of masters. Yeah. So, okay. So Baron Trump. Trump's got a son called Baron. Baron Trump, in this book written in 1893, travels to Russia to make allegiances, meets up with a guy called Don, the master of masters. And while he's there, he um, discovers uh, a time machine and starts travelling around in time. Okay, all right, I get that. That's kind of weird. The same author, uh, a few years later, in 1900 wrote a book called The Last President. Actually, it's not a book. I think it's a short story called The Last President. And the concept of that story is it's about a man who is elected to be the president of the United States against all the odds. He's not a typical politician. Uh, And his election causes division within the country and unrest within the country of America. Um. So this book is written in uh, 1900. Okay, that's weird enough in itself. And But in the story, the main character who becomes this uh, unlikely president lives in a hotel on Fifth Avenue in New York City. And not only is Fifth Avenue where Trump Towers is and where President Trump when he was first elected, was living kind of full-time and commuting into the White House. But in the book, the actual location is exactly, exactly where Trump Towers is. Hmm. Which is incredibly bizarre. This guy writes two books with all these connections with Donald Trump. It's it's completely surreal to me. It is very surreal, but... Also, what I like in the um, in the Baron Trump books, uh, he's described as precocious, restless, and prone to get in trouble, and often mentions his massive brain and has a personalised insult for almost everyone he meets. Is that right? Is yeah. that true? I didn't That's know true, that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he certainly sounds like Trump. Mm. Is that Don, the Master of Masters? Or no, is that no, Baron? that's that's Baron. Yeah, yeah. Well, like Father, you know, like yeah, son. yeah. Well, but there is some there is some other weirdness in the. So, so I think when people unearth these two books, which were written within a short space of time of each other by the same author, one in eighteen ninety three, which was the Baron Trump's marvelous underground journey, and the short story of the Last President, written in nineteen hundred. With all these associations with Trump, I think this story started to gain a bit of momentum. So then, I guess people started looking at, well, if he is a time traveller, has Trump made any predictions about the future that he's got right? And there are a few, and I, I guess the most weirdest one, I think me and you have talked about it before, Ben, and I think you have more knowledge on this, so I'll set it up, maybe you can explain to people... Mm. That Donald Trump, in one of his books, uh, I think it's the America We Deserve. The America We Deserve, yeah, that's right. He he kind of predicts nine eleven, twin towers, Osama bin Laden. He's got some weird prediction about this, you know, at least a year before the event happened. Is that am I am I explaining that right? 
Uh, yeah, well, it's it's Monday, yeah, and uh, yes, you are exactly right. So, so um, the book is the second uh, book that Trump uh, wrote after uh, Trump, the art of uh, comeback, the art of the comeback. The art, uh, is it the art of, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this one, the America we deserve, was published in January two thousand. Yeah, and um, it's. It's kind of this is this is written at a time when he was um, considering running for president on uh, the ticket of the Reform Party. Yeah. So neither of the uh, obviously the major ones, but um, it's kind of like setting out his uh, policy standpoints. And one of the things that he picks up on is um, a future uh, war on terror. Now he doesn't use the exact words "war on terror." But he does name Osama bin Laden and says that if we're not careful, uh, basically his point is if we're not careful, we're going to end up uh, chasing uh, this person, Osama bin Laden, around the hills of Afghanistan with uh, huge army resources and all because he's committed a terrorist atrocity on American soil. Right. And, um, you know, before 2001... I mean, nobody had heard of a nobody in this country had heard of a Simon bin Laden, yeah. and I'm sure most Americans hadn't. But doesn't he also mention that? Because I know there was a previous attack on the Twin Towers, but he mentions that previous attack on the Twin Towers in the book as well, doesn't he? So he makes yeah. some connection yeah, between yeah. the Twin Towers, bin Laden, and yeah, a, a few a war on terror, basically. Yeah. So, he? so the exact sentence he says is, "I really am convinced we're in danger of the sort of terrorist attacks that will make the 1993 bombing of the World Trade Center look like kids playing with firecrackers." So, yeah, weird in itself. I mean, maybe he had contacts in the intelligence community. If we summarise a bit, so you've got these writings from you know, 1900 and 1893. You've got uh, Trump's son's name. You've got the Russian connection. You've got going to meet somebody called Don, the master of masters. You've got the quotes that you gave about the description of the character. You've got the last president story where this unpopular guy gets elected president. Uh, and lives in exactly the same place that Trump was living at when he was elected president. You've got him potentially predicting the Twin Towers incident, Osama bin Laden. But you sit there and go, well, if he's a time traveller, how did he get hold of a time travel machine, right? Yes, I think I know. I think I know as well. So, Nikola Tesla, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm sure many of you know about Tesla. So Tesla is, uh, I don't know how you describe him, Ben, probably one of the great unsung uh, scientific heroes of our age or uh, yeah. modern age, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, he, he was the first person who was really experimenting with um, democratising electricity as well. Yeah, exactly. So, So, and apparently when... Tesla died, which I think was in 1943. He was apparently working on theories around time travel and time and claimed that he was working on 
creating a time machine and he was getting very close to doing that which all sounds a bit kind of you know to use a more modern expression a bit tin hatty but certainly the american government took it quite seriously because as soon as he died they raided his apartment in new york and seized all his papers on all his scientific work including the work that he was uh, reported to be doing on time travel and they decided to turn over the most important papers to an MIT professor to help try and develop the ideas further for the American government. And Ben, why don't you tell everyone who the professor was that they handed the documents over to? Yeah, they gave them to John George Trump, John G. Trump, who uh, was an MIT professor uh, between 36 and 73 and he was also, interestingly, a recipient of the US President Ronald Reagan's National Medal of Science. So uh, he knew what he was doing. And he is uh, Donald Trump's uncle. And I believe that Donald J. Trump, he gets his name from his uncle. That's and right, yeah. His favorite. I think I've seen him, I think during the coronavirus crisis, he he seemed to use it as some justification of what a great scientific mind that the Donald had because his uncle was an MIT professor and a brilliant scientist, right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, that's definitely uh, that's definitely Trump's way. He was... Um, uh, Trump's uh, father was John's brother. So Fred is John's brother. So okay. f- Fred went into doing all the real estate development and all of that whilst uh john he definitely went down the scientific route so um he before the second world war for example he was working on uh x-ray machines but then during the war he uh played a large part in the development of radar and he formed the national sorry he didn't form he joined the newly formed national defense research committee ndrc uh, as a technical lead, and and he also um, became chairman of the radar division. So it does make you think, even if this stuff about Tesla working on time travel and building a time travel machine is complete nonsense, you know, certainly a John G. Trump was reading some of Tesla's work and it'd be interesting to know if he'd used any of that in his work he did on radar and other stuff. Yeah, well... Even, even that in itself is quite interesting for getting all the time travel stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, in 1946, you may not know, but he worked with um, Robert Van de Graaff and um, they produced some they, those first Van de Graaff generators. Okay, so so definitely... Which does back up the bit of the story that he may have got Tesla's work and was using it to develop all sorts of stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. But suddenly you've got you've got this this narrative that, as bonkers as the headline is, Donald Trump is a time traveler. When you actually pull the narrative together, you've got a oh, Jesus. You've got an interesting script for a movie, although probably too unbelievable let alone the concept that Donald Trump is a time traveller. And I guess it goes something like this. John G. Trump 
takes Tesla's work, completes Tesla's work on a time travel machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, ropes in his nephew, the Donalds, mm-hmm. uh, and says, hey, I've got this time travel machine. Do you want to have a, a play around on it? Donald kind of travels around all points in time. I know there's a theory that he went back in time. Let's go, let's run with that theory. He goes back in time to the late 1800s, early 1900s. His ego goes crazy, writes these this book, uh, the Baron Trump Underground Adventure book, and writes the Last President short story. You know, and you can see it. There's a character in it called Don the master of masters. I mean, that's straight. You can hear, you can always hear Donald talking about, you know, going, I know yeah. what I'm going to write. This guy, this all powerful being called Don. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's right out of his, uh, egotistical playbook. Yeah. And, and, and even though he knows he shouldn't boast about it, he goes on Piers Morgan, talks about pizza gay. He, he knows he, he shouldn't look, he shouldn't play on the fact that he knows about the Twin Towers and Bin Laden and all this stuff, but again, can't resist putting a little bit of that in his book. So you've got this incredible narrative. Whether it's true or not, I mean, you couldn't make it up, could you? No, not really. No, if if you if you put it into a film, it would be it would be it'd a be bad rejected. screenplay. Yeah, you'd yeah, be it rejected, out. wouldn't it? You just yeah. go, No, I'm not believing any of this. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. So I've got no, I mean, it's a weird story and I've got no idea whether it's true or not or whether there's even the remotest possibility that Donald Trump is a time traveller. It does make you think, though, if he is a time traveller, what's he up to? You know, Mm. because it's, although maybe that's just his personality. He doesn't care less whether society goes, crumbles, whatever, as long as he's doing all right out of things. But, you know. It's bonkers. It's funny in a, in um, I guess it'd be interesting to see whether he is re-elected president or not. Because you've got to think if he isn't, then something's gone wrong in his time travel thing. Or wouldn't he just kind of go back in time and make sure he fixed his mistakes so he could be president for a second term? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'd be interesting if he loses, if he disappears. Oh, what you think he goes back to his real time? Yeah, yeah. I love that. So, you know, I I love the story. Whether it's true or not, there are some weird coincidences and some weird bits in there. Mm. Um, And uh, I've not read the uh, Baron Trump book, but you've read it. Is it it worth a read? Should our our listeners have a read of it? Uh, Yeah, well, there's a a few in that series with Baron Trump in. I mean, they're fine. I don't think they're anything to write home about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're fine. I but I love the fact it's got you know Tesla who has this kind of almost mythical iconic uh, status as this kind of underdog who was just a genius who didn't play by the rules, which kind of fits in, and just all the bits around the story are brilliant. But there there seems to be some weird connection with people who either. Ran, want to be president, are president, or run for president. Because mm. the, the next alleged real life time traveler I want to talk about is a guy called Andrew Bassiago. 
Now, he is someone, uh, he's a Washington lawyer who ran for president in 2016, a bit like Trump when you were saying earlier when he first started. I don't think he ran for any particular affiliated party. I think he ran as an independent. Um, But he was a very successful man. Uh, He claims he was part of a secret CIA program called Project Pegasus that ran in the 1970s. Now, interestingly, he said the programme was started after they received papers by Nikola, Nikolai Tesla on time travel and that the CIA built a time travel machine and that he was one of the test subjects. But as a premise, as you start that off, it sounds completely bonkers, but... As regular listeners to our podcast will know, we've we've done a couple of episodes on remote viewing. And in the 70s, the CIA had a program on remote viewing trying to create psychic spies. So it's not, it's not beyond the realm of possibilities that the CIA had a program looking at time travel, right? Right, yeah. Or do, or do you think I'm stretching there? No, no, I don't. No, because... Um, we're sort of at the beginning of the, um, well, in the early days of the space age, at least anyway. And, um, it was a time where lots of new discoveries are coming to the fore. Computers are suddenly not the size of buildings anymore. And it would make perfect sense that you would look, um, for anything, like we said with the remote viewing, anything that puts you ahead of your... Uh, foes. Why wouldn't you look into? Yeah, yeah. You, because again, during that period of the Cold War, if you suspect the Russians are doing it, then you better do it too. I mean, <clears throat> I guess there's a huge leap from let's investigate the possibilities and some of the science around time travel to claiming, as Basiago, this guy does, that the CIA had a time machine and that he was sent back in time to various ages, back and forward in time, to experience it. Does he give us uh, any evidence? Well, he does, actually. Well, I guess it depends on your definition of evidence. He <laughs> claims as one of the tests he was sent back to witness Lincoln's Gettysburg address, that he was sent back in time there. Now, I don't know if it was deliberate or he was accidentally captured. He claims he was captured in a photograph at the Gettysburg Address. And uh, we will put, we'll put, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about we'll put online on our social media, on Facebook and Twitter. But we always do these Facebook photo albums, so go and check them out. One of the photos, and that's at TQM Podcast, one of the photos that will be in there is one that this guy, Andrew Basiago, claims is him being sent back in time and attending the Gettysburg Address. It's a kind of black and white picture. It's kind of... looks a bit like a, look like a festival, like, <laughs> weirdly. It looks like something out of Glastonbury, but in kind of grainy black and white. But if you see the photo, it is weird because his his again you could be we could be post rationalising it or he deliberately chose the photo. But he claims you can see him at the Gettysburg Address in a photo, and the thing that stands out is he's wearing clothing which doesn't quite fit with the time. Does it look like him? 
it, I don't, the, the photo's not good enough quality, I think, to make a definitive call on that, I would say. Um, and his clothing's not millions of miles out either, which could, you know, put a little bit of doubt on the thing. But, uh, you know, I would describe him as looking a bit dressed like a kind of beatnik from the 60s rather than, you know, somebody from Abe Lincoln's time. You know, which is interesting. I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about this. We were talking about a pub that we'd we'd once been to that um, was was in the the village where they lived, and they, he told me there was it was first open in you know I don't know I can't remember the exact date now, but it was like 1635, and we were just thinking, well, what, would it, what would it be like to go back to that pub when it opened? And, and we just started talking about the difficulties of if you went back in time because. You know, maybe not so much with this example, the Gettysburg Address, but it must be quite difficult to get your clothing right. Yeah, it would be. And appropriate. And then you've got all kind of practical things about, you think it would be great, oh, God, yeah, things would be so cheap. But, you know, you've got to then try and get money from that period. There's all kinds of weird things around time travel. I won't go on too much. But there is something compelling about seeing a, a photograph of someone in looking slightly out of place within the Gettysburg Address and this guy claiming that it's him who's gone back in time. And it, and if you were going to set, you'd almost want to make sure that a photograph was taken, wouldn't you? Try and get yourself into a photograph so we mm. can we have some, some evidence that you were really there or rather than in some parallel universe or some other weird phenomena that's going on. You'd want some proof. That yeah. would be a good way of doing it, I think. I mean, where some of his stuff, it depends how Tin Hattie resistant, let's say, you are. He also claims that he was teleported to Mars <laughs> to, meet, <laughs> to meet Martians because there was a Martian civilization. So this happened, he said, in 1980, uh, he was teleported to Mars. I, th- I, I think to use his words, paraphrasing his words as a kind of world ambassador to, uh, like a diplomat, effectively, to make uh, overtures towards the uh, the Martian inhabitants. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, yeah. Wh- doesn't help his credibility, maybe. That do- doesn't help, no. Presumably he had a well-crafted space suit to be able to walk on the surface of mars yeah i didn't uh, well either i couldn't find that much detail or he didn't go into it yeah maybe it's the the laws of time travel um yeah i mean the i have a look at the uh the gettysburg address photo because there is something odd about it i mean there are lots of photos on the internet that claim to be time travelers and most of them are uh, you know either can be explained away or look completely fake. This looks like a genuine photo and they don't, there is a guy in it who looks like he's slightly out of place with his dress sense. Whether that means he, he's a time traveller, I don't know. But this guy ran for president. I mean, obviously he didn't become president, but, you know. Only the sanest it... Americans become president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, maybe this is where he, he, he went wrong and Trump went right. Trump's not claiming he's a time traveller, everybody else is, whereas this guy claimed to be a time traveller and 
you know, he didn't become president. Maybe that's where he went wrong. The Oval Office is like the TARDIS then. <laughs> time travellers yeah. coming and going all over the shop. Yeah, I know. You can't, you, you can't move for bloody time travellers in there. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about probably if, you, if you're into this as a subject, uh, probably the most famous modern day time traveller would be John Teeter. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you'd agree with that summary. I guess maybe yeah, Trump yeah. has kind of taken the title with all the stuff with the writings and Tesla, but before it, it was a guy called John Teeter. So John Teeter was a guy uh, who claimed to be a time traveller from the year 2036. Um, and it was, it was he came back to the year 2000 so just after the millennium which I, I think again may be worth revisiting that as a time period uh, because it was a period of uncertainty and weirdness especially in the internet world uh, you know the internet social media was I mean not social media as we know it today but you know very early forms of the things like reddit was starting to happen you know what I mean so Anyway, this guy claims he was a time traveller from 2036, that he'd been sent back in time to find some very specific parts for an IBM computer for the military. So these parts, they couldn't get them anymore. He'd been sent back in time to get them. Uh, weird, it's quite funny. He, he, he said he was supposed to have been sent back to 1975 to get these computer parts. But he decided to um, stop off in the year 2000. I think, he, I think in his story he claims it's for personal reasons, but he doesn't really go into detail of what that <laughs> is, <laughs> which is quite, you know, I'd love to know what those personal reasons were. But So, uh, and weirdly, it was almost like, I, I think there's pictures, we'll, we'll stick links to them, but there's pictures of... Uh, the time machine that he said he used. I think he, he posted diagrams and stuff, didn't he, Ben? I think. Yeah, my he me- did. My memory. Uh, and a user manual and uh, a picture of a laser beam bending near his machine. Yeah, and he, he said he came back in some kind of car that helped him travel to the future with batteries and various bits in it, which again. Obviously, we mentioned it earlier, it's got nods to Back to the Future. So he posted these schematics of his time machine. I think, uh, from my memory, there was enough detail to get you interested, but not enough for you to give it any real scrutiny of whether it would work scientifically. I don't know if that's your recollection of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, it's... um, It was was an odd thing to have a user manual. It's like... Literally, congratulations on buying the Time Mover 4000. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder what uh, the extended warranty is like. The insurance is a bloody nightmare on those. I tell yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's not, it doesn't look very military to me. Because not only when you leave the supermarket do you have to remember where you've parked it, you've got to remember in what time frame you've parked it as well. Um, <laughs> But he, well, I think that his undoing, there was a couple of things that were his undoing. One, he made a number of predictions about what was going to happen in the future. And these included uh, that America was going to descend into civil war. Uh, I think it ends up in nuclear war. Oh, maybe he just got 
his dates wrong. I'm just starting to think about it. Maybe that's not proof he is. He was bogus. Maybe that's proof he was true. He made a number of predictions of what was going to happen. And over the years, absolutely none of them have come true. I'm sure he would argue that somehow by coming back, he changed the the structure of time, like, you know, the butterfly effect. But nothing came true. But it, it was big news. It, I mean, it was all over the internet and then it started making its way to TV and mainstream media. Mm. Uh, and he got an agent at one point. So let's think about that as a theory. You're a time traveller who's been sent back by the military. You were supposed to go to 1975. You drop off in the year 2000 for personal reasons. You start writing on the internet, making predictions and showing people how to build a time machine. And you think, I know what I need. I need a bloody agent. (laughs) I don't imagine the military would smile upon that. No, exactly. So his agent was a guy called Larry Harbour, who was an entertainment lawyer. And interestingly, his Larry Harbour's brother was a... uh, quite a well-known or at least talented computer programmer and engineer. So people started to smell a rat, basically, that, oh, this is just some weird elaborate hoax, uh, because all of these elements didn't quite add up, which I think in conclusion is probably what it was. But it was a great exercise, probably early example of how you could use the internet and in that time, in the year 2000, what was the equivalent of what social media would become to create a stir and a story? Because people were going online and he'd he'd have sessions where he'd say, I'll answer any of your questions that you have about the future and stuff. And it was big, big news. There is a weird twist to this story. So you almost go, well, I'm going to write that story off as a a well-executed, elaborate hoax But in the year 2002, NASA went on eBay looking for parts for an IBM computer as some of their systems used certain parts that were wearing out. And the parts they uh, were looking for on eBay were the same parts that John Teter had claimed he'd come back in time to get for the American military. So there's a weird little twist to the end of that story. I like um, that. Cause that's, that's cool. But well, the thing I go. On. Well, I was just going to say that if uh, his agent's brother is an adept computer engineer, he probably knew which saw parts. this coming. Yeah, he saw this coming. Yeah, exactly. It is weird though, because actually, when you the premise of the story that he's been sent back in time to get IBM parts, you kind of go. Surely in the year 2036, they'll be able to just create these parts. It's surely easier to do that than send somebody back in a time machine that you've built to go and pick them up. But I, I guess NASA then looking for them on eBay if, like years later that gives it a little bit of credibility, maybe. Hmm. Unlikely as it seems. So probably a well-executed hoax, which brings me on to... Uh, Maybe I'll do these quickly. A couple of honourable mentions of fakes, misidentified, uh, and people, especially uh, as as social media has uh, grown uh, and the internet has grown, have got traction for the wrong reasons. 
One of them is a tale about a guy called Andrew Carlson, which uh, hit online and then hit all the mainstream press, really, in 2003. So this this guy, Andrew Carlson, the story goes, he was arrested um, for insider trading on the stock exchange because he had started off with something like $800 and within two weeks had amassed millions of dollars uh, from, uh, I don't know what the word of, speculating is the word, I was going to say gambling, but speculating on the stock exchange. And because he made such a huge amount of money in such a a short space of time, he was arrested for insider trading. And his defence was... No, I wasn't insider trading. I am a time traveller and I knew the way the markets were going to move. <laughs> <laughs> and this was... So it started off on the internet. It got picked up by, you know, big newspapers, New York Times, Washington Post. Everybody was writing about this guy. But what it turned out to be, it was originally written uh, as an article uh, on a website called The Weekly World News which was a satirical website, I guess a bit like uh, The Onion or something like that of the day. Um, And they'd written it as just a joke story. And it just started spreading and doing the rounds online. And the mainstream media picked it up and didn't really check into it. So they published this story of this guy being a time traveller and that was his defence for um, making all this money within a short space of time and ended up with egg on their faces when they realised it was a complete spoof story. Got you. Which is extraordinary, really, that, you know, that happened. The other one that I often think about when it comes across fakes and uh, when I was looking into time travel or something else that I was working on was, and you've probably seen it, Ben, I, I would imagine, is there's quite a famous photo of Marilyn Monroe that... If you, if you, I'm sure if you put in time, I mean, we will put these on our social media, but if you put in time travel and Marilyn Monroe, you'll get this image coming up. And it's an incredible image. It's a front shot of Marilyn Monroe, and in the background there's someone who looks like an uh, assistant. And we were talking about the Gettysburg Address photos where the, uh, the guy in the photo looks like he's wearing clothing that's out of place. In this one... The, what looks like an assistant to Marilyn Monroe in the background, a woman, is perfectly dressed for the occasion and fits in perfectly. The odd thing about it is she looks like she's filming Marilyn Monroe on a, uh, a modern-day phone, like an iPhone, smartphone. And this photo, whenever you do a search, and has been used in various, various occasions online as a one of the most you know, amazing photos that time travel exists, that this woman had travelled back in time with this technology, (coughs) excuse me, and taken a picture of Marilyn Monroe was filming her. But actually, when you dig a little bit deeper, it is actually an image by an artist called Flora Borsi. Um, And we'll put a link to her website as well, because it's really worth checking out her work. What she... She's kind of obsessed... Uh, with time and putting people in pictures next to celebrity or famous scenes of herself in dressed in the right occasion but always using some kind of technology or there's something about the picture which is just slightly out of place which makes you question what's going on effectively. Um, 
So this is a brilliant image, and I think it's a, it's a well... She didn't mean it as a hoax. It was just a piece of art that she'd created, and somehow the internet had picked it up and it spread like wildfire that here's this time-traveller photo of Marilyn Monroe. Um, I don't know. Have you seen the image? It's, it's I, really well done. I have seen the image, and, yeah, it is really well done. But m- my thing that I always say about those photographs of um, people supposedly using smart cameras of smartphone cameras in the past is well yes i guess you could take a photo on it but you've got no network you've got you've got nothing so yeah yeah it's i mean unless you're moving backwards and forwards in time you've you've just got a fancy camera really well there's another there's another couple of ones like that aren't there there's one of there's a famous one of some woman who's an extra in a charlie chaplin movie and yeah. one of the outtakes she somewhat everyone says it's her on the phone in the 1920s and there's one of a uh, couple of women coming out of a factory and one's on the phone and which actually was to do with some telecommunications thing but she she doesn't remember what it was but no, I agree with you. It's like, well, we we recording this episode and about two minutes ago the kind of Zoom went down and we had to kind of reboot and start off again. God knows what the reception would be like in 1920 on your mobile. Much packed here, I would yeah. say. I, get, I would say getting 4G would be nearly impossible. I want to know what the data roaming charges are across hundreds of years oh, rather diff- than different just times. over location. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I... I Actually, I might do that next time I've got my my mobile phones up to renewal. I might see how well will this work if I travel back to the 1920s, see how they do. Um, I'll probably be kicked out of the uh, shop if we ever go to a shop again. My favourite example of, uh, let's say, a spurious time traveller story is that of a guy called, uh, I'll see if I get the pronunciation right, Harkon Nordqvist. I thought that was quite good. It's easy for um, you to say. It really is. Um, um, so this is a guy, I love this story, this is a guy who, um, something went wrong with his sink. So he decided to fix the sink. So he goes under his sink, tries to fix the plumbing. As he's under there, as he delves deeper in underneath his sink, he says he fell through a portal. Now, we've covered portals before. They tend to be in... uh, The sink is not the obvious place for a portal, but anyway. He falls through this portal. He says he comes out the other side, and there's a guy standing there. He looks at the guy and goes, Oh, my God, that is me at the age of 72. So this guy's in his 30s, whatever. And there he is face-to-face with his 70-year-old version of himself. 72-year-old version of himself. And interestingly, to your point, but maybe it's a better reception in the future, he took his mobile phone with him on this journey and managed to shoot some video and some pictures of him and his future self together. And he had a very distinctive tattoo, I think on his left or right arm, and pretty much all the way up his arm. And so both both his 72-year-old self and his... Uh, now time self show their tattoos to the camera and come back and then I don't know how he gets back through the plumbing of the uh, the sink comes back and so I this first started hitting online about oh my god this guy has 
gone to the future, met his future self, come back, has got video footage of it. And it became this huge internet phenomena and really took off. Now, it was a hoax created by a, I think it was Norwegian, one of the Scandinavian, a Norwegian uh, pension company called AMF. And they created this as, I mean, we often talk about the marketing meetings. You can hear the marketing meeting, right? How do we get people <laughs> to invest in their future? I know, time travel, goes through, sees himself fit and healthy and well, that's because he had a pension with us, right? That, You're sketching it out in your mind now, aren't you, Ben? I can see that. It, I, I can see why they thought it would be fun but i think they should probably have got a better writer in if the only explanation for the time travel is going under your sink yeah 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 i mean back uh, to the future would not be the film it was no if uh marty had just climbed into the cupboard under the sink you can see you can see the pitch meeting now for back to the future can't you it's this great idea. We've got Michael J. Fox, got this mad professor, creates this time machine in a car, goes back, rewrites this. It's, it's fantastic. You know, and there's a dramatic scene at the end. It's like, great, great. Yeah, I'm not sure about the car. What about we put it under the sink and he just falls through? It's not yeah, going to work, is it? We've, we've got a lot of money coming in from Fairy Liquid and Flash, and we just think it's just <laughs> yeah, a great yeah. way of getting their products. Great featured. product placement. Yeah. 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 Well, the interesting thing about this story, so obviously it was a fake, it was created as a marketing campaign, but it kind of slightly uh, backfired a little bit because it got picked up so quickly as a genuine example of a time travel video that the pension company started to freak out because it took on a life of its own. And I think they had an emergency meeting and said, do we almost deny that it was anything to do with us and just see if it fades away because it it got much bigger than they expected it so it kind of it was it was a concept that had totally gotten away from them and they were starting to freak out about how much traction it was getting so i thought it but it yeah it's a good example i don't know if there's any conspiracy theorists out there who might say it was uh it was all a that's just a cover-up story and that he really did meet his 72-year-old self. But I don't think you can justify the sink, can you? I don't, no, I don't think so. And, and also, it'd be pretty easy to track down the actors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I just love that story, though, because I love the fact that, you know, they've had some marketing meeting and it just completely got away from them. So what connects... There's two more things I want to talk about. Um... What connects all of those things that we've talked about, both fake and potentially real? Are they all about people travelling forward or back in time? And they're all about people. And for me, that, that's great for fiction and science fiction. But it does raise some kind of problematic issues in the real-life execution of time travel, you know, there's all some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Well, how do you get your clothing right? What do you do about money? How? Why wouldn't you tell anyone? Well, how, where will it, will it change the future? All the paradoxes. So I started thinking about, well, what about things? You know, things travelling through time rather than people. 
And I've got two stories. One of them, I, I guess, is uh, a little more... There seems to be some debate about whether this is a fake story or a true story, but it's the one about the Swiss watch that was discovered in a 400-year-old unopened tomb in China. I don't know if you remember the story, but... Yeah, I do, yeah. So basically, uh, there's a Chinese team of archaeologists. They're excavating this tomb. They kind of, you know, break in. No one is undisturbed. No one's been in there for 400 years. Uh, and they find a very small Swiss watch. It's, I think it's, it's a watch that you wear on your ring. I've never seen one of these, but mm. apparently you get them. Um, and it, so it's a watch that you wear on your ring. Um, and they they find it in this undisturbed tomb. And it's like not only did uh, watches not exist 400 years ago, but also Switzerland didn't exist 400 years ago. So how the hell you find a small watch in an undisturbed tomb uh, that's been undisturbed 400 years, and A, it's a watch, and B, it's got the word Switzerland or Swiss written on it, uh, is very confusing. And then you've got the bit about China. These, you know, There's videos, we'll stick links to the videos and the line talking about what happens with the story and how shocked they were to find this thing. So... Uh, it wasn't. We don't think it was a marketing campaign. No, I don't think it's the. It's not like a marketing campaign. The first kind of debunking of it uh, came about with somebody suggesting, which is a reasonable suggestion, because this thing was small. That you know, we have this almost uh, predetermined image, probably from movies, from early horror movies of people in Egypt opening tombs, and the air comes rushing out, and it's airtight, and nobody can get in there. But the yeah. kind of debunking theory is, well, actually, it's not really like that. Okay, it may have been the first time that humans had been in there for 400 years, but that doesn't mean an animal like a rat or a mouse or whatever couldn't have got in there. And, yeah, a rat or a mouse could have swallowed this watch, got into the tomb, done what rat and mouses do when they've had a big meal and left. And that's why it ended up there. That seemed to be the first logical. I think some information has come out since then questioning whether it is a bogus story. But there, there seems to be no, or a hoax, but there seems to be no uh, motivation for the hoax. So I, I don't know what to make of this story. So it seems... But I think where it loses credibility is, well, there's the idea that it's a hoax, but then the second idea is there is actually a reasonably logical explanation of how this thing could have ended up in there, even if it wasn't a hoax. So my mission to find any kind of credible stories of real lifetime travel rather than the fiction that I'm obsessed with, I think I've really struggled Apart from one story that is a story that I think both of you and I know about, or one example that we both know about, um, that has a lot of credibility, and this is the story of the London Hammer. And hammer time! <laughs> yeah, hammer time. Yeah, so it's London as in London, Texas, rather than London, England, and then uh, 
obviously it's a hammer. So, this is an incredible story of... Uh, there was... This hammer was found in London, Texas in 1936 by a farmer just walking on his land and he saw this lump of rock with a piece of wood sticking out from it. Didn't really think that much about it, so he picked it up and said, well, that's a bit of a curiosity and I'll, I'll take it home. Now, his son, this, this thing just sat there in a kind of drawer in the family house and it had always, always intrigued the farmer who originally found its son. And one day he decided to break it open because he thought, well, it might have fossils in there and he wondered if there was anything attached to this wooden handle. So he manages to smash open this, or I, I don't know, just like archaeologist does with a little chisel, chisel the thing open. And attached to the wooden handle inside the rock was a metal hammer. Now, that obviously raised huge questions for him. Well, how did, uh, like a mining hammer, you know, like a pick, pick shaft mm. hammer, you know, the kind of things that you, the miners would have used in Texas, I guess, when they were there. So he, um, he just became obsessed with this object and had some basic tests on it. And yes, the rock was prehistoric, hundreds of millions of years old, but the hammer itself was, you know, from the 19th, 20, well, from the early 1900s. Um, and it's always intrigued me, that story, because they've never, you know, you look online and do various searches to find out if there is any logical explanation of how this phenomenon... And you can see it. We'll put pictures up of it. It, it, it exists, and it, it doesn't look in any way that it could have been faked. And, in fact, mm. there's been scientific tests on it that say it hasn't been faked. <coughs> um but there was um, some debunking of this as an idea, um, as a concept, because there is some weird phenomena that can take place where uh, the rock can... I mean, I'm not going to go into the full science of it, but the rock can basically melt and form itself around another object. So this was the site... There's some very unusual process that rarely occurs but there is a scientific explanation that rock can melt reform around the hammer creating this thing so there was a bit of mystery of well it seems unlikely that this thing could happen but there is a scientific explanation until last year when <coughs> excuse me until last year when the family had it retested. Uh, I'm just going to read out what the test results came back with because it's quite astounding. According to studies of the Metallurgical Institute of Columbia, the inside handle underwent the process of carbonisation. The head of the hammer was built with an eye impurity only achievable with modern-day technology. According to analysis... The head of the hammer consists of 97% pure iron, 2% chlorine and 1% sulphur. Surprisingly, researchers also found that the iron had undergone a process of purification and hardening, typical of uh, the techniques of the 20th century. According to analysis of the rock encasing of the hammer, that was dated to the Ordovician era more than 400 million years ago. 
The portion of the stone surrounding the hammerhead also presented abnormalities, seeming to have merged with some type of sheath covering the hammer. According to geologists, this process is a slow process of petrification, which could only date back hundreds of millions of years ago. So my reading of that is this theory that the rock kind of melted in the 1930s, whatever, and then reformed around the hammer doesn't hold weight with the new scientific research, that the process that had been going on to encase the hammer itself had been going on for at least 100 million years. Yet the hammer was technically only created in the 20th century. That is... I didn't know about that last bit of information. That's crazy. That is crazy. So, it either... Well, so what are the options? It was placed here at its right timeline in the past, as it were. So somebody came... There was another civilization. That's I'm trying to think this through. There was another civilization or it was aliens? Well, I think the other civilization bit doesn't hold water because the it has been carved... The hammer itself, the kind of inside bits of the hammer has been carbon dated to the 19th century, I believe. Oh, I see. Not, so... Uh, maybe worth a double check on that, but that's my understanding. I'm not 100% right, right. sure. But that's my understanding that the elements have been carbon dated and they don't they don't sit within the same timeline. I so mean, I'm what's interesting... miners. Well, I think it, what's quite interesting about it is, like I said, the idea of people going back in time and building time machines seems so way out there. But, you know, the idea of some kind of distortion in time involving magnetic fields and then you've got mining under the ground and stuff like that, it suddenly becomes a little bit more credible as a concept of mind travel. Can You, do, do you know what I'm saying? Like, sitting yeah. there saying that, you know, John, John, Donald Trump's uncle built a time machine and gave it to Donald and he started travelling around seems too much for me. But the idea that some miner was mining away underground in the kind of gold rush era and came across across some anomaly, time anomaly or magnetic anomaly that either snatched his pickaxe and took it off into a different time dimension or a parallel universe or something, not necessarily even him, you know, that suddenly becomes kind of more believable that it's more natural phenomenon rather than building a machine yeah yeah it definitely does yeah so uh, again i guess a cynic would say you have this really to use the phrase one credible story that could be linked to time travel involving the london hammer whereas everything else are are you sure there's some nice tales in there but can pretty much be argued away under the rules of coincidence or just the way the human brain works. But I guess I'd, before I started looking into this, it was like I love the concept of time travel, time travel fiction. I'd love to believe that there was a real one out there, but I'm never going to come across anything that makes me question. But the London Hammer still 
makes me scratch my head and question how that is possible. It's a genuine mystery. That, well, that's just got me thinking now because before, when I heard it, it did seem, it did seem credible. But then, hearing that evidence, that's, I just can't, I can't imagine how it could happen unless it was something. I say paranormal in the in the widest sense of the word. Yeah, yeah, as in something strange and unexplained rather than... Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Not, not a ghost. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love it if there's any scientists or geologists or anyone out there who maybe has a different theory or maybe even questions this theory. Um, because, like I said, the general debunking of it seemed to be... People, genuine, people tend... There doesn't seem to be much question that it is a genuine artifact hmm. that somebody has found this, you know, twentieth-century hammer encased in hundreds of millions of year old rock. That that doesn't seem to be at question. So there's no there's no claim of hoaxery here. So it comes down to: is there a scientific explanation of how this could have happened? And this theory of the you know melting rock and rock reforming seemed like a logical one to me um even though it is a very rare occurrence but you know the new piece of research from last year sheds at least some doubt on that as a theory so if you are a geologist and understand these things better than us we'd love to know if you've got a theory or if you disagree with the way that we've explained it because maybe i'm getting it wrong i don't know but it's it's enough to make your brain go that's well, kind of what we're about here at the Quantum Mechanics is enough to make you go, that is a bit odd. That is a bit odd. I do like that a lot. Huh. Wow. Okay. I'm going to... I'm definitely going to go and um, read up on that. And um, Yeah. It sounds like um, it might be being revisited for, for some reason. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good. Yeah, maybe it's something around unexplainable objects which could be doesn't have to be time travel it could be something about them that is kind of odd and i don't know we'll work on something but i feel i I, like you kind of found this article that was an updated version of the london hammer and think i want to i want to understand more about that and you know maybe we can i think the the hammer's still owned by um the, the son, I don't know if he's still alive, but it must be in the family somewhere. It'd be maybe even good to try and get in contact with them and talk to them about their experience of it, even if it's just to talk about what's it been like to own this kind of, you know, weird object that nobody can quite explain or not necessarily 100% explain, maybe is the best way of mentioning Of Of all the things, though, to... Uh to time travel a hammer yeah 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 i'll tell you what it does make me think of though is um you remember when we did the episode on the jots the just one of those things yeah. where people uh, have objects that appear and disappear interchange i wonder i wonder if that is you know wonder if Something that's part like that. of it yeah, yeah i wonder if where they go yeah is some sort of an anom- anomaly <laughs> where hammers go to die yeah yeah well um yeah if you've got any theories out there alternate theories let us know but um yeah the london hammer you can't touch that 
it's uh, sorry. <laughs> well, well i just pray we never make that joke again yeah exactly well we are um we're going to fire up our time machine our delorean and uh we will be with you in no time at all for another episode of the quantum mechanics thanks for listening take care Quantum mechanics.